when is this going to end? Not the sermon. <laughs> Not the service. Uh, when, when is this all around us going to end? This coronavirus and, and not being able to meet together. It's been four weeks now since churches have closed their doors and, and people haven't been able to gather in their churches, ours included. And now it's impacted our Easter. The, the greatest celebration in the Christian church, the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Now it's impacted that. When is this going to be over? Because now there's no Easter dresses. Now there's no Easter suits. Now there's no Easter brunch. Now there's no taking pictures for us at Divine Savior. There's no taking pictures outside of Santa Rita Ranch in front of Jerry's big cross that he made. That I know we look forward to taking pictures out there every year. When is this going to be over? When are you going to be able to get back to work? When is sports going to come back? Kids, when... When are you going to be able to play with the neighbor kids? When are you going to be able to have sleepovers? When are you going to be able to play sports again? When is life going to get back to normal? But maybe there's another question too. How's it going to look? When we can finally stop social distancing and get back together, how are things going to be? Will your job be there? Will the economy start rising again? Will you be able to go back to school but have to keep your social distancing? How is this going to look? How is it going to be? There are so many uncertainties right now, and we don't know what the future holds, that oftentimes we can get frustrated. We can have a little fear in our hearts, a little anxiety, worry, uh, and just this sense of being defeated. We wake up every day hoping and praying that there's light at the end of the tunnel, and yet, who knows? Will this last through May? We pray not, but with each passing day, who knows? And we can just get down. All those emotions, I have to imagine, were running through the women on that first Easter Sunday. Think about the week that they had had. Just a week before, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And he rode in like a king. Uh, the people praised him. It seemed like the whole city was out there uh, waving palm branches, putting them on the ground, praising him. There was electricity running through the city, joy, excitement. And as Sunday turned to Monday, sure, there was tensions between Jesus and the Jewish religious leaders. But Jesus still seemed to be in control. He seemed to still have the upper hand. Even Wednesday and Thursday, as they made their Passover uh, preparation, there was still joy and excitement. And even Thursday, as they went to bed, everything seemed to be okay. But from the time they went to sleep on Thursday to the very early hours of Friday morning, something went horribly wrong. Things seemed to snowball and happen so quickly. They woke up to hear Jesus had been arrested and he's on trial. And they got to Pontius Pilate's house, the governor, just in time to hear, crucify him. And they couldn't believe what they were hearing. And they walked with Jesus out to Mount Calvary, where he was crucified. 
and by three o'clock that afternoon, he died. And they placed him in the tomb, along with all their hopes, with all their dreams, with their bright future, all of it in the tomb with Jesus. And because it was late Friday, they didn't have time to prepare Jesus' body. And Saturday was a Sabbath, which meant that for the Jews, no work could be done. And so they had to wait until the Sabbath was, was over at 6 p.m. on Saturday night before they could go and get spices and the things that were necessary uh, for preparing a body for burial. And then early Sunday morning, they'd had a, they were going to head out to the tomb. And that's where we pick up in Mark chapter 16. We're going to start with the first three verses. Here's what we're told. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week on Sunday morning, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance to the tomb? So this is early Sunday morning, right after dawn, they make their way out, and as they make their way out, they ask the question, who's going to move, move the stone away? They weren't going to, they, they couldn't. Uh, it took at least four or five strong men to roll that stone in place, and even, even that was difficult. And so how are they going to roll this stone away? It was just one more thing that added to their defeated mindset. Jesus died. Their hopes were in Him. He was going to be the Messiah. Their futures were bright because of Him, and He died. It's over. Even His disciples felt defeated as they are now locked in a room because they were afraid. It's just one thing after the next, and all they want to do is prepare their loved one's body for burial. And yet they remember one more thing that causes them to feel defeated. Who's going to remove the stone? Who's going to roll the stone away? They had no answer. It was just one thing after the next, feeling defeated. Frustration, anger, sadness, feeling defeated. Nothing would be the same. How were they going to get through this? How were they going to feel any hope anymore? It was hopeless. We know that feeling. Because life has a tendency to make us feel that way. And it's your first point this morning that I want you to take away. Life events can make us feel defeated. Hopeless. And we've been there, haven't we? We know the feeling, and, and maybe you've experienced it uh, when your loved one got diagnosed with cancer. What would the future look like? When, how, how would we get through this? What's this going to look like? What's the future going to be? Will I have a future with this person? And yes, there's a plan in place, but you have no control. You can't remove this stone, so to speak. And with each passing day, it seems to be a little more hopeless. And you feel defeated. 
Maybe you felt this way when, when you've buried a loved one. You know as you left that graveside that life would never be the same. It was going to be completely different. How would you get through this? You don't know. When would, you, when would this be over? You don't know. All you know is that it's impossible for you to remove this. It is in place. And the weight of it crushes you. And you just feel defeated without hope. Maybe you're experiencing it right now as you're realizing that you have less days in front of you than you do behind you. And you have to start having some really serious conversations about what to do with your things after you're gone. And as you realize that fact that there are less days in front of you than there are behind you, you start to feel less and less hope, more and more sadness, more and more defeated. The uncertainties of the future, the uncertainties of death, the uncertainty of will I even have a tomorrow is weighing on you and you just feel down and you feel defeated. There's no hope. So why bother? Or maybe you've experienced it when you lost your job. You, you lost your job and now you've been applying and you've been applying but you've been rejected. And you, with each rejection, you start to lose a little more hope. Bills are starting to add up. You have a family to pay for. It's feeling less and less hopeful. Defeated. And maybe you're feeling that way about your relationship with God. You've done some really bad things in the past. You've done some shameful things in the past. Even you're not proud of what you've done and who you are. And so your relationship with God is really uncertain. You don't know if he could accept you. You don't know if how he views you. And you just feel defeated. Because you want to believe in him. You, you want that, but there's just little hope because look at your track record. Life events can make us feel defeated. And that's what the women are experiencing. And we've experienced it too. The, the sense of hopelessness, the sense of uh, defeated. We're down and out. And that's where they're at. That's where they're at. But then they walk to the tomb. And here's what we're told. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. The women go to the tomb, and when they get there, what do they see? The thing that was defeating them, the thing that was impossible for them to move, that large stone had been removed. Not by a human, but by God. And as they look into the tomb to, to look where Jesus had been laid, they see an angel. 
And that angel had the distinct privilege of announcing the very first Easter message. He is not here. He has risen. Look at the place where they laid him. Look, the place of sorrow, the place of mourning, the place of solitude, the place of finality. He's not there. He has risen. He has risen indeed. It is the most unbelievable, unbelievable turn of events that anyone has ever seen because we know what the grave is like. It is a place of solitude, a, a place of sorrow, of mourning. It's a place of finality. We know that nobody comes back from that, and yet Jesus did. He has risen. He has risen indeed. And then the angel says something very interesting. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. Why single Peter out? Because if any of the disciples were, were taking this heart, if any of them were uncertain about their relationship with God, it was Peter. If any of them were feeling defeated, it was Peter. If you remember, Peter said arrogantly to Jesus, I will never deny who you are. I will die with you before I leave you. And then just hours later, Peter denied Jesus, denied knowing Jesus three times. Why? To save his own skin. So he didn't die. And so Peter is locked in a room, feeling guilt, shame, uncertain about his relationship with God, and defeated. There's no hope. But Jesus wants him to know, this is for you too, Peter. He is not here. He has risen. He is victorious over the grave. He has victory over the greatest enemy that we have, and that's death. He has victory over the, the, the enemy that we can't defeat no matter how hard we try. Death has been conquered. He is not here. He is risen. He is risen indeed. But what does this mean for you and me? The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, here's what he says right at the end. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But, thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does the empty grave mean for you and me? What does Jesus' victory over death mean for you and me? It means that God gives us the victory as well. And so here's the second point I want you to take away today. And this is really the main point. Jesus' victory means you are victorious. There's a story of uh, the Battle of Waterloo or that came out of the Battle of Waterloo uh, back in the 1800s. Napoleon was on his conquest, and he was coming over to England. And so all of the people of England knew that their future, their hopes, relied on Wellington and his army. And they knew that Wellington and Napoleon were, were off at battle, and whoever won would be the winner. Their hopes, their future rested on Wellington. And they waited. 
And they waited. No email, no phones. They, they had to wait. And soon somebody saw off the coast of England a ship returning, and the sign said, Wellington defeated. And everyone in England mourned. There was gloom. There was sadness. Their future was over. But three hours later, the fog completely removed, and they could read the whole sign, and it said, Wellington defeated the enemy. And all of England rejoiced. The gl- their gloom and de- the- their feeling defeated turned to rejoicing and victory because Wellington's victory meant they were victorious. What Wellington won, he won for the people, and that's the Easter message for you. Jesus has defeated the grave. He has defeated your enemy, death. And his victory means you are victorious. We have joy. We have hope. We have confidence because we know the end of our story. Yes, your future may be bleak. Yes, it may be dark. Yes, there may be suffering. Yes, here on earth, things might not be good. But we still have hope. We still have confidence. We still have joy because we know the end of our story and it's victory over death. Our tomb will be empty because Jesus' tomb was empty. One day he will call us from our grave to live with him forever in heaven because he is risen. He is risen indeed. And if you're like Peter today and you're uncertain about your relationship with God, because you've had things happen in your past. Know that this message is for you too. Know that when Jesus rose from the dead, it was his exclamation point over his victory over sin. And so behind your name is the phrase, declared not guilty with an exclamation point. Your sins are forgiven because Jesus died and he rose again. He not only conquered sin, but he conquered the consequence of sin, death. Death has been defeated. His victory is your victory. We are not defeated. We are victors in Christ. We are victorious. And that day, the women began to understand that. They may not have understood it at first. That's why they went away afraid and bewildered, confused. What's going on? But soon they would realize that their future was changed forever. They were no longer defeated. They had hope. They had a future. And that hope was in the resurrection of the dead. You see, this is the Christian hope. The Christian hope is not in an economy that bounces back. The the Christian hope is not in a cure or a vaccine. The, The Christian hope isn't in health. The Christian hope, our eager expectation is that our graves will be empty. Our Christian hope is that sin has been defeated. Death has been conquered. Our enemies are defeated and we are victorious because Christ was victorious. His victory is our victory. This is the good news of Easter. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. He's victorious. We are victorious. And so what would this look like If we believe this every minute of every day, what would it look like to to be a winner? Because that's what we are. 
Death has been conquered. Sin has been conquered. The devil has been conquered. We are winners. What would it look like? It would look like somebody who has hope in a hopeless situation. It's somebody who has confidence during suffering. It's somebody who has joy during hardships. It's somebody who has peace in unrest. It's somebody who has the confidence to approach God in prayer. This is all yours because Jesus is victorious, because he has conquered your sin. You are forgiven because he has conquered death. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He has brought you peace with God. The tomb is empty. This is all yours. You are victorious in Christ. All because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we praise and thank you that you have risen from the dead. We thank you that you give us your victory over sin, death, and the devil. We thank you just like those people of England uh, were victors because of Wellington. We are victors because of you. You have given us your victory and we cannot be more excited. And so as we live this life, give us confidence, give us hope, give us peace, uh, give us joy. No matter what comes, because we know the end of our story. It's with an empty tomb, just like yours. Uh, in a lot of ways, we don't know the future. It's uncertain. Uh, there could be more dark days coming, and there probably will be. But let us hold our head high. Let us walk with confidence, joy, knowing that we know the end of our story, and it's an empty grave. We ask all this in your name, and it's in your name that we join to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. As we leave here today, we leave with the blessing that God blessed his people with in 1500 B.C. That as they left the temple, Aaron the high priest was to raise his hand and bless the people with the Lord's name. So they knew the Lord was going with them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. The Lord bless your Easter celebration today as he is risen. He is risen indeed. We close our service by singing this joyful Easter tide. God bless.